So in March, last month, we talked about, do you remember what our, our theme was, our topic? Yeah, we talked about vis the spiritual practice of visioning, but we talked about, about being open to possibilities, open to greater possibilities. And here during that time, I mean, this was a possibility that was, that was imagined and dreamed and, and through the practice of visioning, and that's what we spent a lot of time focusing on specifically, to support us to be open to the possibilities. You know, if you think that you already know it all, then you're really not open to any greater experience than what you've already decided. This is the way it needs to be, right? And through living in the question, living in the question of what would love seek to demonstrate in the world by means of me, through me, by living and leaning into that question, and this is what visioning does. It empowers us to put aside our, well, I already know the way it needs to be, to, huh, is something greater possible that's wanting to be known? Now, this month, we're going to sort of um, continue forward, but not with visioning, but with the, with stepping into the vision, the what has emerged as a result of this time of living in the question. So the, the theme for April, we're going to be talking about stepping into the unknown. And isn't that really what it is? When you set aside your, your plans and saying, God, use me, here I am. I am open to greater good. I am here to be used and to be in service to a, a greater idea, to be in service to a vision of a world that works for everyone. <laughs> We're stepping into the unknown. We're stepping into the unknown. And throughout this month, we're going to be talking about how through practical spirituality, we can be curious about the changes that are required of us in order to step into that unknown fully, to embrace it. Because what do you think? I mean, do you think change will be required? In order for us to have a world that works for everyone, uh, I think there's going to be some changes. There's the old ways of being that need to be released. I mean, it requires change of a caterpillar in order for the vision of a butterfly to emerge. If we have a vision to have a, a loving, harmonious relationship, it may require us to, um, to change our way of, you know, loving the single life, if that's, your, if that's your situation. Change is going to be required. And so doing our work, continuing to do our inner spiritual work, and what we're talking about this month will empower us to, to step into that unknown. Step into it with faith. Step into it with confidence. And to know that we are, you know, I was listening to some of the messages and Lori was saying about that we are safe, that we are safe in that love. And, and Lisa Ferraro talking about that, that love that, that is secret and to, she said at the end, to share it with the world. 
to share it with the world. You know, I mean, for our community, Concordia Center for Spiritual Living, for us to step into the unknown of what spirit is wanting to demonstrate in the world as us. You know, we think that we had it figured out and we know that more is possible. You know, Kevin and I arrived in Rhode Island a little over two years ago. And if you told me that half of that time, <laughs> I would not be, I would be speaking to this community through glass and through glass and camera and steel versus being in person, I would say, what are you talking about? Just the same way for us to step into our larger self of the vision that, that spirit has for us. It's going to require us stepping into the unknown. It's going to require us also knowing what's important to us. Right? What are our values? What are we going to be taking with us on this journey? Today the message is the path less traveled. And so what are the values? What are the practices that are going to support us individually and as a community? And I'm saying this, um, the values, um, starting this month, we're going to be doing some more deeper visioning as a community. There's going to be some opportunities for us to vision together to begin to, um, to tune into what is that path? that we're called to step onto, as well as doing some work around our values. What is important to us as a community? Because we're unique. We're unique. I mean, you can find any number of, of, of faith communities in the area that are meeting today and celebrating Easter. I mean, there's a lot of celebrating going on. Today is the high holy day of Christians. Billions are celebrating Easter today. And you know what? And not, even Christ, not only Christians. There are a lot of kids who don't know what Easter is, except they know the Easter bunny comes. I remember as a kid. Easter morning and waking up and there the Easter bunny had left a basket at the, on the foot of our bed. Yay. And you know, I don't know why I always got the hollow um, <laughs> chocolate um, rabbits. The, you know, my brother always got the solid ones. I, maybe my mother knew something about how I would, uh, what I would do to that solid chocolate um, bunny. <laughs> So stay tuned. As, as the vision unfolds, we are going to be doing some, some collectively some work as a community around our, vision, our, our values and the vision of what is next for us. You know, and here's what I do know, and all of us know that when we step onto that path that's less traveled, <laughs> we know that change is going to come, and we're changed as a result of it. Whether we like it or not, whether we like it or not, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, he said something that every time I hear it, it makes me, uh, well, you see, it makes me um, smile. But Jerry Seinfeld said, sometimes the road less traveled is less traveled for a reason. <laughs> and all of us smile or laugh to that because we understand that, right? Especially when, the, um, when we encounter situations where we're being asked to do the right thing. 
or what we're supposed to do. It's not always easy, is it? It can be at times, it can feel at times, you know, um, almost like an obligation. Okay, <laughs> I'll do the right thing. But for those of us who are on a spiritual path, we made a decision at some point in time to step onto the path less traveled. Because as we look around the world, we know that the, the paths, the, the, the um, wide is the gates, you know that scripture from the Bible, wide is the gates. Um, and most people are following through what's easy. And, and we see that that is not working for most of us. Many of us grew up in homes where we were handed ideas or beliefs or indoctrination or even just the domestication, that conditioning that we grew up with. At some point, all of us here, you wouldn't be in this room if you weren't, you wouldn't be watching this if you weren't, didn't not have at some point say, huh, something, what more is there? Leaning into that question, what more? There must be. And here's what we know. Through spiritual living, Andre Gide said this, man cannot discover new oceans unless he has the courage to lose sight of the shore. So in order for us to have the vision, in order for us to have the experience of the greater and more that we're open to receive, that we're willing, we have to push off from the shore. Oh, this, this month we're going to be taking a look at those values and practices. And, but today what I want to do specifically, I, I want to look at a practice specifically that will support us. And, it's, it's very, and it is in line with this holiday, the season of Easter. I mentioned here we are the what I love about being a religious scientist is that while we don't have any religious holidays of our own we get to celebrate all of them we get to celebrate all of them then and and the way that's that that is meaningful to us right to find meaning in it and to to celebrate it and to um, reap the gifts and receive the gifts from it Jesus was both a teacher and a symbol of spiritual evolution. Now, when we talk about the Bible in a Center for Spiritual Living, um, we usually, um, and, and this is how I usually talk about it, I talk about it in an allegorical sense. Because uh, reading the Bible literally as talking about someone else it's hard to apply it to your own life when you're reading a story about someone. Oh, yes, that was about Jesus or that was about this one. You know, reading the Bible literally can be at times like reading a love letter written to someone else and thinking it was meant for you. That can create some confusion. You know, he loves me. He loves me. No, he wasn't talking to you, <laughs> you know? And so how I like to look at the, the Bible is, is from a allegorical, a metaphor, a story about each of us, where we are all the characters in the story. Another way that you can read the Bible is metaphysical, where it's talking about the collective and evolution of consciousness. And Jesus, however you read the Bible, whether it is literally or metaphysically, 
There is an example there in this story of Easter that empowers us if we choose to practice it in our own lives. And so I want to take a look at, at what are called traditionally as like the last words of Christ. There were a few sentences that, that we have in the story of Jesus here as, as he was, his life was coming to an end on Friday. See, that you're not familiar with the story, so Friday, Jesus, last Sunday, Jesus rode into town on a, on a donkey. He rode into town on a donkey, and they were singing his praises. They were thinking, here has come our teacher. This is the Messiah. This is the one who's going to set us free and, and, and take, you know, remove the boot of the Romans off of our necks. And they were celebrating him. Coming in on a, on a donkey. He came in through one gate. Now, I don't know if you know, but during the high holy days in, um, in Jerusalem, the Romans always made their presence known too. Because they wanted to make sure that, that there was no uprising amongst the Jews. They wanted to. And so while Jesus was riding into one side of town on a donkey, Pontius Pilate, who was the governor of that area, him and all of his brigade were riding in on horses saying, here we are. This is the worldly power that is, is being demonstrated. So that was last Sunday, and then there were a number of things that happened during the week, but um, the tide quickly turned, the, the crowds quickly turned on Jesus because amongst his colleagues and amongst the religious leaders, they looked at, at Jesus as a radical. He didn't, you know, he was not one to be um, hammered back into place, you know, like... He wasn't one to be, um, conformity was not a word that Jesus was familiar with. Now, to the politicians and the political leaders, Jesus was a zealot. And he was actually, and what he was actually sentenced to cap, uh, capital punishment for was that he was a traitor. He committed treason against Rome by not denying the claim that others were making about him, that he was the king of the Jews. Rome said, there is no king of the Jews. We rule. And Jesus didn't deny that. He didn't deny. And so on Friday, they were doing a groups, you know, that, as the Romans did. They were, um, there was executions going on. And so I want to focus in on what does a spiritually evolved being, how do they handle this path less traveled when they're facing the unknown? And some of it is evidenced in things that Jesus said and the one practice that sticks out more than others that we're going to talk about today is forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, now, Ernest Holmes, you may wonder um, the, the um, end science of mind. Well, what do we teach about Easter and resurrection? That's very interesting. That's an interesting question. You know, did Jesus die? And then he, I, you know, here's how I approach any doctrine or dogma or belief. This is what I would say. Is it helpful? 
Is it, if it helps you to, to live a happy life and to, to know your connection to God and, and supports you in that, then do so. But we don't subscribe to doctrine and dogma. But Ernest Holmes did believe, he believed, and, and he said this in a number of places, he believed that, that Jesus was the most spiritually advanced um, person that the world has ever known that he taught that his primary teachings of oneness with God and love, that these teachings alone, I mean, just made him and his message relevant to everyone on the planet. And he did say about the resurrection, because so Jesus died on Friday and then on Saturday, Sunday morning, those not familiar with the story, Sunday morning they went to go anoint his body and to tend to him because Saturday was the Sabbath for the Jews and they couldn't tend, do the work that would be required to take care of someone who passed, anointing his body and doing these things. So they couldn't do it on Saturday and so they came Sunday morning to do the work and the tomb was empty. Jesus had resurrected. He's not here. He's not here. Now, Holmes, what he said, and Dr. Holmes is the founder of Science of Mind. He founded Centers for Spiritual Living, or at the original organization. And he said this. He said about the resurrection and subsequent appearance, disappearance of his body. He said it was the result of, this is quote, spiritualization of his consciousness through which he achieved another plane. Another plane. This was not a place, but an up-leveling of his consciousness. So, there you go. I'll, I'll, let, I'll leave that to you. You can decide what to do with that. Um, <laughs> but if we look at the story as we go, as we talk about as far as our story, how can we move into a place of, of uncertainty and unknowing to where we come to a place of resurrection, where we're stepping into an up-leveling of our consciousness? Forgiveness is a practice that purifies the soul. Before I talk about forgiveness, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is simply removing the blocks that we have in us to our awareness of love. You know, and this is not, you know, and I know many times when we talk about forgiveness, people can feel, um, it's like, oh, you know, it, it can almost be like it brings up, it brings up the hurts that's, that maybe might still be um, uh, active for us. Or it might trigger the resentments and grudges or even guilt that we feel. And we say, oh, forgiveness is hard. But we know the, the importance of it. Because how many of you have ever said, and here especially on this path, goes like, you know, I'm releasing what no longer serves me. How many of you have said this? Right? Forgiveness is that. Forgiveness is releasing the old story of being a victim at someone else's hands and, and putting that story down and taking up another story. Look who I am and where I stand now as a result of that. Maybe even if you say Dis despite them, but we're no longer focused on they did it to me, but we take our, they, we take our power back. We take our power back to live our lives and say this is who I'm choosing to be. 
Well, one of the first phrases, and you, many of you know this, one of the, of the last words of Jesus, one of the first that I want to pay attention to is he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So here they are. They, who are the they? They're the crowd who's yelling, you know, and, and cheering on. Um, and the, those, the soldiers who were, who were um, doing what they were commissioned to do and commanded to do. And most, when they speak about this, this phrase, this sentence, most say, well, of course, Jesus, because he was a spiritually evolved being, that of course he could say, forgive them. Right? That's, he was Jesus. He could forgive. He could forgive people. But I want to give you a little different take on this. Because to me, it's what is it, what's my story here? What am I called to do? Jesus was an illegitimate child. The only one that, that knew his father was Mary and Jesus. Right? And Jesus grew up in a culture that was very tuned into knowing who their father was. So there were different rules. There were different rules for the, for the illegitimate children because we don't know who they belong to. So Jesus grew up very tuned into the... Um, he, knew, he knew that he didn't fit in with the crowd. With most. And over the years, he developed a relationship with source, with God. And he referred to that presence within him as Father, Abba, like Daddy, Abba. That is how he related to source. And so when I read this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, I read it a little differently than, oh, what Jesus was saying. Say, oh, I forgive them, because in other places he said, your sins be forgiven. This is, doesn't sound so confident to me. In his humanity, here he is, knowing what he's called to do to practice forgiveness because for him to be, to hold hatred in his heart, for him to hold um, a grudge in his heart and resentment would keep him separate from the Father. It would keep him separate from the oneness that he knows is, is the truth of who he is. He used to say, I only do what I see the Father do. Everything that I'm doing is to glorify the Father, Abba. And so here he is on the cross suffering. Here we may be even suffering in our own lives. And we may think we may not be evolved to forgive those who we are um, saying, you know, oh, look at what they're doing to me. But you know what we can do? To me, this is a beautiful example. Turn it over to God. Father, presence in me, forgive them for they know not what they do. I may not have the strength to do it on my own. But forgiveness is an important practice, and Jesus knew that. The second phrase, as a symbol, see, I'm using Jesus as a symbol, as a metaphor for us walking on a path less traveled. There, was, there were criminals on either side of him, thieves, and one of them saw Jesus' innocence. It's like, you know, you don't belong here. You know, oh, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> sorry. Um, 
And Jesus told him, I tell you the truth. I'm telling you the truth right now. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Now, what does that mean? Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Heaven, what we know and teach, heaven is a state of consciousness. It's not a place. Because if it is, where is it? I, where, where exa- what direction? Now, it, is, it's, it is within. It is a state of consciousness. It's a state of knowing. And Jesus, by extending love to this criminal, not judging him, he empowered that, that criminal who was there believing that he was guilty, that he deserved the punishment that he was suffering. He was able to forgive himself. He was able to forgive himself. And through the love that Jesus extended, the forgiveness, telling a different story about this thief, saying, you're going to be with me in paradise, empowered that man to release the guilt, to be in paradise and consciousness. Again, forgiveness of ourselves. We may not be able to forgive others, but you know what? The spirit in us can. The spirit in us does. It knows no error. And when we extend love to others, we are empowering them to love themselves and forgive themselves. The last one that I want to focus on here were the very last words. It is finished. It is finished. You know, throughout his life, Jesus spoke of his oneness with spirit. And that day, the day all of that led up to Easter, all of this led up to to Easter, everything that happened before. Here in this final moments, as he fully realized that he was a spiritual being having this physical experience, He said, it is finished. And this is my take. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people who interpret this, but I believe he saw past the appearances. He saw past, it's finished. He was able to fully surrender to the present moment and know that God was right there where he was. He was able to see past the appearance of death and know that life is eternal. He was able to see past the crowds, those who were cheering on his death, and and see and witness that paradise was actually unfolding, that all of these individuals were actually crying out for love because of them not knowing how to access it. He was able to Surrender and accept the right action, the highest good. And and now we may say, well, that didn't look like good. Have you ever been in a situation where it didn't look like good? And it's like, God, what what is going on here? I've been doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And when we do our practices, when we practice forgiveness, it empowers us to remove the blocks so that we can see truly and that we can see this path less traveled. 
You know, I want to close with this, and I want to invite you to, um, I have a, a meditation, an affirmative prayer by Dr. Holmes. It's a lot of words here, but it was like, ah, they're all beautiful. Can you see this? Ed, can you see this? All right, great. Good, good, good. So this is a meditation by Dr. Holmes, and I thought here with us stepping into this, stepping into the unknown and trusting that that divine love, Betty said it, spirit is here. By us doing this, marking this moment, this day, this time in our lives, to say yes to that love. And so repeat these words with me and, and say them and feel them as you say them with me. I know that all the power there is and all the presence there is, is love, the Spirit Almighty. I know that love protects me and that I am guided and guarded into the pathways of peace, of joy, and of security. I know that this is true of all people. This is what I believe about everyone. This is what exists for the whole world. This is my prayer of acceptance today and every day. I feel myself safe in the keeping of the divine love. I feel the soft enveloping presence of the living spirit. And so it is. So it is.